This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, guys. This isn't a regular episode. This is something me and Matt do for a site called sportsbookreview.com. So do be aware that this episode does heavily feature the topic of gambling. If that's not suitable for you or the people who listen with you, then I will see you guys on Sunday for our review of the Austrian Grand Prix. For everybody else, I will say that we are talking to an audience that is not as wizened, perhaps, as you guys are in Formula One. So we do dumb things down a little bit and we do spend a little bit of time putting things into context and explaining who people are and some basic concepts about Formula One to help people be informed with their bets. That said, it's a fast-paced preview. We do cover Baku for a couple of minutes from a gambling perspective because I think we all got mugged on that one except people who put money on stroll. Believe it or not, I did and I said I did on the last episode. If you don't want to hear about Baku, skip about four or five minutes in. Make sure you tune in to Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube, 8pm on Sunday to join us for the race review. Oh, and one last thing. We don't get paid for this. I have a genuine interest in gambling. For me, putting a few bets on enhances my enjoyment of the show. However, do be aware that gambling can become a problem. Gamble responsibly talk to people about gambling and if you think that you or someone you care about may have a problem i can recommend going to begambleaware.org to find advice on what to do okay on with the show Welcome to the Sportsbook Review betting preview of the Austrian Formula One Grand Prix. I'm Richard Spanners Ready, the host of Missed Apex Podcast. I'm joined by my regular co-host and host of e-radio show, Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? Oh, it's going great. How about yourself? Yeah, it is hot. It is hot here in the UK. We are enjoying tropical weather. That is why I look all shiny and sweaty. Face powder is on order. Yes, that blue glare from your monitor does wonders for your complexion, I must say. So we are here to give you a preview of the Austrian 
Formula One Grand Prix taking place this Sunday. Let's see if we can help you lay down your cash on some smart bets this weekend. Let's make betters better. Please bet responsibly. Matt and I host a regular live stream and podcast on Sundays called Missed Apex Podcast. We do it after the race at 8pm UK time on the Missed Apex Podcast YouTube channel. Thank you to Sportsbook Review for allowing us to enter your home. So Matt, let's address this. Baku was nuts. That race was madder than a box of frogs. I think you could safely say the result was somewhat unexpected when all was said and done. Well, let's go into that then, because this is what we call a bad beat for betters. I don't think anyone who had a sensible gambling brain did well at all out of the Baku Grand Prix. Daniel Ricciardo completely unexpectedly on a power track with his downforce heavy and power light Red Bull managed to end up on the top step of the podium. Yeah, it was it was quite quite the event and you'd have to say really if you're looking at the top three teams they're going to be ferrari mercedes and red bull and if you're looking at people's chances uh i maybe you might have put them ahead of raikkonen just assuming that botas would have driven into raikkonen automatically as he does every race it seems like the Finns do like coming together but yes that race had the top four being the two mercedes and the two ferrari written all over it but let's see what happened to those usual suspects um, because this was not a track that Red Bull were going to win on. First of all, first off, like you said, the two Finns clashed into each other. Uh, I think in turn two or three, Raikkonen tried to go around the outside of Bottas. Bottas hit a curb. The result was two people trying to get, occupy the same bit of space by the Armco, and both Finns ended up with damage. Uh, I think Raikkonen had his floor flapping about underneath him for a little while, which eventually actually caused the first safety car, and I think Bottas got a puncher. So that effectively took both of them out of the race for the lead. Yeah, there was um, just basically loads of debris, and no sooner did they get it started than they had the same thing all over again, only this time there was so much wreckage on the restart that Alonzo sort of said, hey, Charlie, you know, might be a good idea to just bring everybody in and clean the track up before we've all got punctures and destroy our cars trying to drive back to the pits. So I think we had a total of three restarts. Eventually we had a red flag and the cars had to all come out again. And this really does lead to chaos. It shakes the pack up because before the red flag, we still had two of our four usual suspects up in the lead. We had Lewis Hamilton comfortably leading Sebastian Vettel. Then a thing happened behind the safety car map. Um, Well, yeah, I'd say just a minor thing. Um, Vettel got rather irate at Hamilton because he thought he'd been brake checked and Vettel had driven in the back of Hamilton. And then because he was irate and thought he'd been brake checked, he drove up beside Hamilton and then, well, you know, shouted at him some and drove into him again, which is going to be, you know, Controversial. a penalty. There's no getting around it. We, I've never seen anything like that in Formula One. We've seen people in racing incidents at 200 miles an hour, you know, not give anyone someone enough room or try and push them out wide. But we've never seen somebody not under racing conditions just drive up next to another driver and take out his anger using his car as a battering ram. It was somewhat spectacular. Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, also somewhat illegal. It violated pretty much every regulation there was about driving around under the safety car. And not surprisingly, as a result, Mr. Vettel saw himself penalized rather severely with a 10-second stop-and-go penalty that had to be served during the race. In other words, they weren't going to add time afterwards. He was forced to come in and sit in the pit lane. And actually, 
Um, say what you will about the Italians, their espresso is delightful. Their stopwatches, maybe not so much. It wound up being about a 15 second stop before he oh. actually got off. So he lost an extra five seconds. So he would have lost a total of 35 to 40 seconds. And that was enough to take him out of contention for the lead. That's a big, big loss of time. So we are still left with our one out of four usual suspects, Lewis Hamilton out in the front. Easy, right? All his main rivals, easy win for Lewis Hamilton. Bizarrely, when they restarted after the red flag, they failed to secure his headrest in his car. And as the uh, the aerodynamics kicked in down the long straight, you could see the air lifting the headrest out from behind him. And the somewhat startling sight of a three-time world champion reaching up behind his head to try and hold the headrest down. But eventually they said, no, enough's enough. You've got to come in to fix that. And that actually cost him even more than Vettel stop and put him behind in fifth place. Yeah, it, it was the timing of it in in that Hamilton came in before Vettel did and he wound up, I think, stuck behind some traffic and it was just enough or rather, I should say, I don't even know if he got stuck behind traffic. Didn't matter. As soon as he was off the track, Vettel was pushing for all he was worth and he, he stayed out until they pretty much made him come in. So that's the top four out of the way. And even that wasn't enough to give Daniel Ricciardo the win because there was about three other cars that should have won that race that we talked about. The Force India's Matt could easily have won that race. Uh, they could have, but they were responsible for much of the debris on the second <laughs> restart. Were. They drove into each other rather spectacularly. And I do want to talk about this later because yes, we will. you would not think it was Formula One. You'd think you're going to see a prize fight the way they've been talking about each other in the press. Uh, but back to the thing, not just the Force Indias, let's not forget that the uh, initial safety car was kicked off by Max Verstappen's Red Bull going kaput in a rather spectacular fashion right along the main straight. Uh, yeah, and Verstappen, who is Daniel Ricciardo's teammate, Ricciardo being the eventual winner, he was up ahead. Ricciardo wasn't even in the fight. He had a puncher. He had to come in. No, he didn't have a puncher. He had something stuck. Uh, in his airflow or something like that. But he had to come in because his radiator was blocked. In any case, his race had looked to be over. His teammate, Max Verstappen, would have been the fastest car on track had his engine not given up. So that's the uh, Lewis Hamilton. Headrest came off. Sebastian Vettel, penalty. Bottas and Raikkonen, incident where they've smashed into each other, the two fins, that's four. The two Force India drivers could have won this, but they smashed into each other. Max Verstappen. How many are we on now? Seven, six, seven. Engine failure. Felipe. My Felipe Massa. Yes. Whose car just stopped working on the last restart when he was like, oh, look, I could actually finally win a race again. His and car went. Yep. Sorry. Yep. And, and that's a race win. So without all those incidents, Daniel Ricciardo was looking at scraping back into a points finish. But instead, he ended up picking the race win. And I don't think anyone saw that coming. It was spectacular. Yes, and let's not forget that uh, Valtteri Bottas was a lap down until the first safety car when he got sent around. And had you gone with my bog standard podium, if you don't know who to pick, pick Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas, and yeah. Sebastian Vettel in that order, always across the whole season, you'll probably be right more often than you're wrong. He wound up coming P2 from one lap down. I don't even know. It, it surely has happened before, but not often. No, absolutely not often. That's right. He was a whole lap down. There is a rule in Formula One, though, when there's a safety car, any car that's been lapped is allowed to overtake the safety car first and quickly get around and unlap itself. Not quite sure why, but that does uh, give an out 
to cars who've had an absolutely disastrous start. So he had a great recovery, and then the podium was finished off by young Canadian Lance Stroll, that poor billionaire. He struggled all the way to Formula One with mere billions at his side, uh, but it looks to have paid off after a, a somewhat embarrassing start to the season. He's ended up picking points up in Canada and then a podium up in Baku. Yes, there was attrition, but slow and steady won the podium on this occasion. He just about held on. Yeah, it, it was delightful to see uh, someone just so genuinely happy to be doing as well as they were doing on the podium. No jaded celebrations, but just genuine happiness and joy. And at Williams, too. They've invested a lot in trying to bring him along. And he's shown some signs of coming to life. And this is a big validation for him. And it's worth saying that last week I did tell you to put money on Stroll to finish in the top six. And in fact, I think a podium you'd have called me nuts. But yeah, certainly uh, top six due to his steady head at the moment. It looks like when there's high attrition races, he's going to be somebody to look for to just keep it on the track when all others aren't. Okay, let's look at Austria. Not quite a novelty track, Matt, but a little bit different to the rest of the calendar. Yeah, a little bit different. You do have some nice elevation change. Um, unlike the last race, you've got acres of runoff, so your chances of a safety car are much, much less. It is pretty fast. It's not as fast as Baku, but it's not too far off. And there's only a little bit of braking, uh, but the braking there is is pretty sharp. There's only three main braking events, uh, two, two nasty corners, and then the combination to come back around onto the start finish. Um, a little bit is worth paying attention to. And where that's uh, an issue is you're going to get cold brakes because you're running for longer periods of time without using your brakes. And once again, energy management is going to be key because there's not a lot of time to regenerate the earth. So again, we could see the cars with a better energy management doing better over the course of a whole race. Now, obviously, qualifying is quite different, but over the course of a race, that's where you're going to be won and lost. So speaking of winning and losing, then we want to talk about who's going to be the winning car. Yeah, it's a power track, but also I think you need a bit of savvy. You need a good balance and a good setup to get around here, especially the last two turns, the double right-hander, not an overtaking opportunity per se, but you see a lot of cars going wide on the final turn, especially in qualifying. So I think a good balance and a good setup here is essential. Of course, the two top teams do have that. But interestingly, looking at the odds on Bet365 this week, Mercedes are 4-11 to be the winning car over the course of the Grand Prix weekend. And Ferrari are a very surprising 2-1. to one. And I think that's the longest I've seen them for, for a while, Matt. And when we say Ferrari, you know, we do mean Sebastian Vettel. No offence to Kimi fans. I know Kimi Raikkonen is very popular in the second Ferrari, but Kimi Raikkonen isn't going to win a race this season. That's my prediction. He's not going to win a race this season. So when you talk about race wins, Matt? I just say be careful. You probably would have said the same thing about Ricardo just a few minutes before Baku. In fact, I think I definitely did say that. In fact, uh, on our podcast, Matt uh, Matt Summerfield of motorsport.com said something similar. Oh no, it's not going to be a Red Bull win this season. No way. Um, That's exactly how he speaks. He's from Birmingham. That was perfect. But no, all things being equal, events like Baku notwithstanding, Kimi Raikkonen's not a guy to be betting on for a race win. He just doesn't have the pace of those other top four cars. So when we talk about Ferrari to win, we're really talking about Vettel to win. There's no point putting a bet 2-1 to one on Ferrari. You may as well go for 12-5 to five 
for Sebastian Vettel instead. But do you not think it's interesting that the odds have lengthened for Ferrari as we get into the season? I think the odds have lengthened for Ferrari because... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. they've been forced to stop burning oil during qualifying that's a vital point matt tell the listeners something about it just briefly well there was just this little controversy at the start of the season that um some teams were using uh their oil in the combustion chamber during qualifying for extra power and there's a couple of different ways that can work and you probably don't care about them But suffice to say, it was enough of a concern that the FIA hemmed and hawed and wrote some technical directives and demanded to see some thises and thats. And then it came up again somewhat rather more urgently. And now the teams were had to uh, had to give the FIA fuel uh, oil levels before and after the race. And uh, pretty much at this point, it came out that um, Ferrari had been running a second oil tank. And mysteriously, after this second more firm restriction from the FIA, that second fuel uh, oil tank disappeared from their car. And we heard from uh, one Christian Horner, who was all too happy to spill the beans. The boss of Red Bull. Basically, yeah, uh, Christian Horner from Red Bull. Basically, Mercedes had picked up an ex-Ferrari employee, James Allison, uh, we believe, who had filled in Mercedes on exactly how Ferrari were doing what they did. And then Mercedes kind of went to the FIA. You might assume in payback for having their fancy suspension system banned. Yeah. And returned the favor. So the long and the short of it is that Ferrari are down on power because they are now limited to their stock limited quota of fuel. And they're no longer being able to burn engine oil as fuel as well. Right. And this will affect them in qualifying a lot however i've seen some analyses of race pace that show that it's not such a big deal in the race proper and this may be this may give you an edge 
uh, in terms of the odds, because in the race, they might be much closer than they will be during qualifying. Yep, that's absolutely true. At this time, I don't think there's worth a bet on Valtteri Bottas because just on form, just on pace alone, Lewis Hamilton is making Bottas look ordinary. Ah, yes, he is, except for tell me where Bottas got his first ever front row start. I thought it was Canada, to be honest, but you're going to tell me it's Austria. Okay, it's Austria. That's where he got his first ever podium for Williams. Okay, but let's also remember that Bottas had a reputation for being good around Montreal. However, again, he was completely outclassed by Lewis Hamilton there. Guys, the people to bet on on the top two teams are Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes and Vettel for Ferrari. Don't waste the time with the other two guys unless the odds go out massively. Okay, so we're going to talk about your favourite driver pair of Force India. They have been key in the betting wars because when there's high attrition and even when there hasn't been on pace... Force India are actually looking impressive. Their problem at the moment isn't pace. Their problem is bringing it home and not crashing into each other or getting in each other's way. Yeah, and this this is like prize fight rhetoric right here. You got to love it. Uh, Perez was first to strike by saying that, that it's all fine, that Ocon just needed to be, quote unquote, intelligent about how he drove <laughs> the car. And this was followed up by Ocon a day later saying, well, I don't know. When I was debriefed by the team, they pretty much said it was a 50-50 thing, and we'd both probably done some stuff that we shouldn't have. So I think if there's a bet, uh, it, the bet is going to be that one or the other Force India is going to be <laughs> taken off the track in pieces. Do you know what? That's not bad, and we'll get to the first to retire betting options first. But yeah, I mean, the Force India guys, to me, any team that's going to break through into the top six out of the rest of the pack, it is Force India. They're in a bit of an ascendancy. However... They've got the experienced Checo Perez, who is the faster and the more experienced Grand Prix driver for now, uh, and certainly a driver I'm a fan of. But he is being harassed by the young Esteban Ocon, who Matt is a massive biased fanboy of. And he will tell you to put your mortgage on him, but you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen to trumpets. He's biased. Uh, The odds (laughs) are just better because he's a rookie. But what I will point out for those of you who want a little history lesson is back in the day when Sergio Perez drove for McLaren. And guess who his teammate was? Jensen Jensen Lack of Grip Button. And I don't know if you remember this race, but I think it was Monaco where Button got on the radio and complained vigorously about the aggressiveness of Perez is driving. And I'm just thinking, wow, she's kind of on the other foot now, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't like it. The thing is, we have to have to remember that Sergio Perez pays a lot of money for that drive at Force India. And if it comes down to team orders, i.e. the two Force Indias line astern, I don't think that the team orders will ever favor the young rookie. I think it will come down on Sergio Perez, and I think it will all season because he pays a lot of cash to be there and supports the team. So it's a dream shot for me. A Force India on the podium. That's a dream bet. Top three. Sergio Perez to be that driver, 10 to 1. So that's a, that's a flutter. That is definitely a flutter. But it's one that excites me. For his young buck teammate, who some would say is showing him up, it's 33 to 1. So maybe a real, real value bet is Esteban Ocon, 33 to 1 to finish on the podium. Uh, for a points finish, which is far more realistic for the Force India boys... Let me see. Let me just scroll over. Here we go. So Esteban Ocon is two to five to finish in the points. But what I really want is the top six, isn't it, Matt? I've made a mistake there. Bear with me. 
I'm uh, I'm just I'm flicking through my phone. You see, um, yeah, no, they're 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 dead cert score double points, and unfortunately, right now I can't find the top six odds. But betting on them to finish in the top six, uh, which is most bookies will offer those odds because traditionally Formula One only used to give points for the top six. Now it's for the top ten. So look at the odds for those two boys to finish in the top six. That's actually quite a realistic bet. Both of those cars have a good chance of getting there. Uh, where do we want to move on to next? Go, Matt. I think we should talk about Honda. Honda. They're bringing a spec three engine, which was run at Baku, brings about 16 brake horsepower, more or less. I've seen estimates that put it around there. And it spent the last couple of weeks at the factory being properly mapped and will be deployed in both of the McLarens. And I don't know if you looked at Alonso's top speeds in Baku, but they were suddenly not that far off for his top speed down the straight, we could be looking at, uh, you know, Alonso in the points may not be a bad call. Alonso in the points then is 11 to 10. So I think the bookies agree with you. I think reliability is a big factor when it comes to betting on a McLaren, especially with the Honda in the back. But 11 to 10, if you want to cheer Alonso on to get points, that's a good bet. Right. So let's talk about some more teammates. Let's talk about the Haas teammates. And looking at the racetrack, with short, uh, short, sharp, and severe braking, who could we possibly pick that doesn't have problems with his brakes? Okay, so Roman Grosjean has been widely publicized, whinging on the radio about his brakes. Something to do with his braking style is not agreeing with, I think, the Brembo brakes in that Team Haas car. Uh, no doubt a very, very fast driver, but at the moment... He is ending up on the exit of just about every every heavy braking zone because he just can't get that car stopped in the way he wants to. Kevin Magnussen, his teammate from Denmark, seems to have taken a more pragmatic view and is simply not braking to the edge of his talent and he's managing those brakes a lot better. So if you want to bet on the Dane, Kevin Magnussen, to pick up a point, it's 7-4. to four. Uh, Roman Grosjean is also at 7-4. to four. However, you've got to think that the chances of the brakes surviving on the Danes' car, on Kevin Magnussen's car, are much higher. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And then there's this one last little bit of news about also one of my favorite drivers, Carlos Sainz, which is he's pretty much said that if he's not moving to Red Bull next year... He's out he's of Toro Rosso. Not, yeah, so yeah. you got to wonder what that's that's going to do. He swears he's going to work just as hard. And it's definitely in his interest to do so. But the Toro Rosso itself is not a great car. It's it's known on the grid as being fairly draggy. And this is a fast circuit with lots of elevation change. And they have the Renault running in the back of their car. They are bringing some updates. But yeah, I don't know. I still favor signs over Kvyat if, when all is said and done. But Kvyat's looked pretty good the last two races. It yeah, and, and, and the odds do reflect that Signs is still considered the talent. So for points again, and these are all the midfield teams, and to be honest, it, it is a bit of a coin toss um, who gets into the points here. The points positions pretty much tied up at the front by the top four, uh, Mercedes, the two Red Bull cars, the two Ferrari cars, perhaps the two Force Indias, and then the Williams probably bringing it back up. So the top, the last points are really between the Williams, uh, Toro Rosso, Haas teams, and possibly Honda. So there's this kind of little mini battle for the win of picking up the last few points. And if you fancy the Toro Rosso boys and the much-fancied Carlos signs, that's 10 to 11 on Bet365 at the moment to get into the points-paying positions, and 11 to 8 for Danny Kvyat, his uh, Russian teammate. And I think that is a good reflection of the gap in talent. 
However, Carlos Sainz has kind of lost his mind over the last three races, so maybe one to avoid on this occasion. Yeah, and you know who we haven't talked about? I'm sorry we didn't get to him because he was in Baku, again, given practically an open goal, is Hulkenberg. And he just drove right into a wall. We forgot another person who could have won the Azerbaijan Grand Prix was Nico Hulkenberg. He was ahead of Daniel Ricciardo and he just put it in the wall. He just fluffed it. Uh, That guy has got an an aversion to podiums. Nico Hulkenberg is yet to score a podium in his long F1 career. That was a golden opportunity to do so. And you have to say he choked. You know, whatever. I'm not a Formula One driver, but, you know, as armchair fans we can say yeah he did he choked on that one and uh wow yeah daniel ricciardo really really lucky to pick up that win it's not worth betting on the red bulls at all to uh to win here Uh, what's the odds the odds of a red bull winning here are 10 to 1 and we're talking dream scenario here for them to win at their home track it's called the red bull ring so 10 to 1 for either of those boys to pick it up i wouldn't no no but i'd be interested in the odds for verstappen uh to place third He's not finished four out of his last six races, and he's been mighty, mighty quick. Well, I can tell you that. I I seem to recall him doing well at this track before, and it is the Red Bull home track. It doesn't favor their car, but it is their home track. Uh, Okay, just under three to one then. So 11 to four for Max Verstappen to pick up a podium. Why not? That kid is talented. He is fast. With a bit of luck and a couple of retirements with the top two teams, he could pick up a podium. Yes, and possibly also a little bit of rain, which might occur during the race on Sunday, I should mention. Yeah, oh yeah. If it rains and you can still get those odds on the Red Bulls, then that changes the equation completely because in the rain, a lot of downforce helps. And it's not that they've got the best downforce. It's that their their deficit to the top teams is not as high when it comes to downforce as it is to, say, power. Right, exactly. And in the wet, that matters a lot less. But what also matters is that Verstappen is just genuinely very, very talented when the track gets wet. And they are predicting a 60% chance of scattered thunderstorms. Okay. During then. Days, I see 0.02 accumulation, some rain and thunder in the area, but they're in the mountains. And I don't know if you know the saying about the mountains, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes, it'll change. Tell you what then, here's a good way to finish off then. Let's list down on the grid who we think are the masters of the rain. Uh, When it rains, you get low grip and it suits a certain type of driver. It seems to suit the drivers that did very, very well in their karting days. So I think the standout at the moment who has caught people's attention, especially in Brazil last year, is Max Verstappen. Just takes a completely different line to everybody else. Finds grip when no one else seems to. Absolutely. And now I can take away your favorite driver from you and go with Lewis Hamilton, who oh. has been just genuinely brilliant in the wet. Yes. And, and just gave one of the most awe-inspiring drives I've ever seen qualifying for Spa in the wet a couple of years ago, where he, he finished ahead of Vettel and the Red Bull in the Mercedes before the engine change. And he said, oh, well, the Delta on my dash just said I was a minute behind, so I just drove as fast as I could. <laughs> Etten Senna, of course, was great in the rain. Um, in fact, a lot of people will say the great drivers are defined by their ability to drive in the rain. And I completely agree with that. One other person on the grid who we know who is, who is supposed to be very, very good in the wet is Carlos Sainz, also one of my favorite drivers, has done exceedingly well in the wet. And we can't forget Sebastian Vettel. His first points yep. ever were scored in a Toro Rosso in a, in a rain-soaked race. 
Yeah, and the thing is as well, Daniel Ricciardo, the winner of last week's race, tends to go completely anonymous in the wet. Don't know why that is. So just bear that in mind. If the rain starts falling in the mountains, you're going to have to change a few bets. Matt, good luck to you in your betting for the Austrian GP. Good luck to the listeners. And remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory last forever. This was Missed Apex. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.